0: Welcome to Courageous Conversations with Teresa W. Gamble, powered by Concierge Resource Professional Consultants. Courageous Conversations is a diversity, equality, and inclusion initiative. It's a gracious space for meaningful discussions about culture, life, business, work, learn, live, worship, and play. It's an audio encyclopedia designed to bridge cultures and generational gaps. Through active listening and action-oriented changes towards liberation for all. Our special guests are today are Tyrese S. Gamble and his wife Alexis Gamble. They reside in Mobile, Alabama. Tyrese Gamble is a native of Jacksonville, Florida. Alexis is a native of California. But together, they are building home in Mobile, Alabama. Tyrese is a recent college graduate as well as his wife. Isn't that cute to be married and going to school together? As well as he is a pastor of the Tower Ministries. He's also an entrepreneur, a chef, craft craft eatery which is amazing. I can't wait to taste some of that food, especially the watermelon cakes. Y'all have to find out about that later in the interview. And Alexis is a freelance marketer. She's also the first lady of the Tower Ministries and also a recent college graduate. So thank you both for being our storytelling guest today to talk about Learn because both of you were in college before and during the pandemic. So who is Tyrese Gamble? And then we'll hear from
1: Alexis. Um, well, um, my name is Tyrese Gamble. Um, as uh, the host said, uh, we thank again before we get started. I just want to thank her for having us on and inviting us to uh, do this. It's uh, really fun, and I really am going to enjoy what's going to be talked about here today. But um, I am a native of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I've lived there most of my life. Moved here, moved to Mobile in 2014. Um, shortly after. Well, a couple years after dating, me and my wife dated, um, I moved here, um, just kind of get a fresh start, um, move forward, get some things done, move my life ahead. Uh, you know, I feel like it's necessary for people to do that. Uh, after much convincing um, between her and my mom, it kind of convinced me to go back to school and finish my degree because I had a withdrew the first time around. Uh, wasn't really prepared. Uh, so I kind of got some things revamped, uh, refocused, uh, got some help getting some ideas and mindsets straightened out. But it was really, uh, it's been an exciting journey. Um, it's had its ups and downs. It's had its rough stages. But I wouldn't take anything from it because I have some awesome things, some awesome results that came from it. So uh, that's just uh, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> um, I'm 28 years old. Not that old, but I feel like there is a lot that I can offer, um, even at this age, so uh, yeah, it's just a little bit about me.
0: That is so true and Alexis, who are you my queen? <laughs>
2: um,
0: I'm Alexis Calcody gamble
2: uh, I am 25 years old. I am a native of California, uh, California, mm-hmm. just as I host stated, um, and Uh, I'm young as well. Uh, We're both in ministry, uh, like the whole state as well. I'm the leading lady at the Tower Ministry. I'm a psychology major. I did graduate from Bishop State Community College. We both did the Wildcat here in Mobile, Alabama uh, in 2020 during the pandemic. So um, that happened Uh, and I have a goal to uh, counsel uh, individuals, just like we do in our ministry, but to also do it um, just as a career. So I am also a freelance marketer. I'm in advertising. I um, advertise for a lot of businesses, but um, you may know online. You may see my face somewhere and everywhere. That's who I am.
0: Awesome. That's interesting. So that segue into our next question about learn. I know um Tyrese from reading from your bio, you had a background in sports, you had a background in church. I think you're a fourth generation's preacher's son. You have a back, you know, a, a community advocacy background. Um, as well as Alexis, because you have the heart and the passion to pastor. Both of you have the heart and the passion to help couples regardless of how long they've been married, whether they're newlyweds to you know tenure, senior people. But I wanna talk about your experience um, first, Tyrese, attending two historical black colleges, one in Jacksonville, Florida, one in Daytona Beach, Florida, which um, Jacksonville is Edward Waters College. Daytona Beach was Bethune Cutman College. What was your experience at those colleges versus the college you attended in Mobile, Alabama?
1: Well, I can say first and foremost that uh, both of those were HBCUs, um, very prominent HBCUs. We you know Edward Waters is the oldest HBCU. Um, and Bethune Cookman is one of the most renowned HBCUs, not just for their band, but for just how they got started and their uh, academia status. Um, I could say the experience was um, a lot different, whereas I'm used to being um, in a mixed school. I may be me, uh, minorities may be the, the I guess would we'll say the least number compared to the other races, um, but at HBCU, it's the complete opposite. It's you're seeing kids you grew up with, you're at the high school with, you're at the middle school with, um, kids you see around the neighborhood. It's uh, it, it lends a different experience. It's a more homey feel. But um, as we know, sometimes <laughs> family, you know, whew, you need a break from sometimes. <laughs> uh, but I can say that uh, I went to a predominantly Caucasian high school. Um, which kind of helped set a premise for me getting to understand both sides of the spectrum. And going to HBCUs that helped me understand, you know, it helped me see some good things about being, about our culture, but it also highlighted and pointed out some, uh, <laughs> some, uh, some things that we as a culture could afford to work on um, that, uh, could, that might and could possibly help us, you know, be more successful going out into the real world. So going to both of those schools um the level of excellence excellence um and expectation that they held uh for the academics was really pushed amongst the students because you know just being truthful we starting off african-american especially the males and god the females have their own struggle that they have to deal with it has that excellence had to be pushed in all the students so if your grades are slipping that hey go talk to your instructor let's go find out what's going on let's come up with a plan so we can get you back on track because the world if the world's already expecting you to fail i'm pretty sure the instructors who've lived in this world longer than us don't want us to fail don't want to see us go down that road don't want us to become another negative statistic so i feel going to those hbcus kind of prompted me for some things that were to come because i mean at some point in our lives every african-american is going to go through some kind of racial injustice some kind of discrimination some kind of uh, being looked over um, being. um, uh shun being thought less of because just because of our skin color and the um, I would say the reputation that comes behind growing up in a I guess less fortunate upbringing or background. so I would say those two uh, those two colleges really helped kind of prepare me for a lot of things that were to come ahead.
0: That's awesome. So what about your background experience, Alexa um, in academia maybe um high school and you're embarking upon college what was your experience
2: uh, well from uh an early age most of my education most of my grade school education was a predominantly uh black school uh all the way up until middle school about to the end of middle school uh going into the eighth grade um at that point i had a whole life change my mother passed we i grew up in a more impoverished area, um, as we will commonly call the hood. There's one every uh, in every state. And so I grew up uh, on the other side of the track, if you will. And so most of my um, schooling up until eighth grade had been predominantly Black, uh, African-American um, students. And so that was what I was used to. And when uh, I had a culture shock uh, going into the eighth grade, I then, for the first time in my life at that point, uh, joined starting a school that was diverse right i didn't have I didn't look over and see it right in the classroom looked like me uh, so that was my uh, first opportunity to really see uh, and work amongst other cultures it was eye-opening and from that point i went to high school I went to diverse high school because I had gone from the hood to now moving in with um, a, a, an uncle who were uh, successful my uncle was a psychologist Partly reason I'm going on myself now, and his wife was a nurse, so uh, we they lived different, okay? Than I was accustomed to. So I, I, when I my education from that point on until college has been diverse. But I will say that my experience from predominantly black uh, schools to changing over where um, the the majority of the population is Caucasian, um, and then African-American, and I would say thirdly, probably Asian uh, um, student, it's, it's, it was, I would say rewarding because it taught me more of the life skills I would need for paying for college. Um, I think a lot of students, when they don't have an exposure young to other cultures, when they go to college, especially university, if they go off to college, uh, away from family, it is eye-opening and scary. So, I think that that high school experience being opened up to um, diverse, you know, more cultures, it definitely prepared me for the university life. So, I, um, I'm grateful for that. I, I do think that that change, that culture shock uh, in my schooling definitely helped me be a better college student as well as more successful now uh, in the working arena because, truth be told, we don't work with our own color. It's just the world does not, it's not set up like that. So, I think that
0: that exposure definitely prepared me for the real life. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's a good segue into um, the curriculum design in Black education versus the traditional um, privileged education that was created by the founders, because. Um, We learned um, in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida, when desegregation happened, they did not have a plan on how to educate um, African-Americans during that time. And Edward Waters College was pivotal. um, The AME church was pivotal in educating um, us when the schools were desegregated. And they would do it through Sunday school and Bible study. And with that segue, um, what was it like? trying to go to school through a pandemic. I know both of you are both interactive. You're you're both in the ministry. So that means you're always engaged with people 24-7. And then all of a sudden, March 2020, the whole world shut down. So that means ministry shut down, school shut down, business shut down. How did you both, how were you able to pivot? And either one of y'all could chime in and ask the question.
2: Um,
1: i would say for me um this was really like a a life reminder because uh, in high school i took online classes um because i was on track to graduate early um if i would have had kept with it i probably would have graduated high school around 16 or 17 um but for me, online classes was a struggle because I like that in-class interaction to be able to talk to my teacher face to face, and mm-hmm. if I have a question, I just walk up to her desk versus trying to call her. She make that kid she trying to change or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, so for me, it was a big reminder. But uh, it was a big reminder of that. But one thing I can say that I learned from that is that when this happened, and I had to start taking my classes online. Some people think that it's hard taking just a regular class online where you got assignments you got to submit through an online book or manual, but you're taking a technical course like culinary, and you have class projects to do and cooking to do, different equipment, that's your at-home stuff. If something go wrong, guess what? It ain't no fire extinguishers or no big water sprinkler system. You got to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) That you don't burn your house down and, and, you know, mess up your own stuff at your house. So um, it's a big, um, it was a big change for me. Um, I know um, at that time, especially during ministry, trying to adjust, trying to adapt um, uh, with the members and trying to maintain, you know, some form of pay through all of this. Don't lose your faith. Don't, you know, make sure you maintain your relationship with God and not just us telling it but we had to put it into practice even more ourselves um you know just being in leadership doesn't mean that we don't face the struggle it just means that we have to handle it differently than the world would expect us to so it's you know something that we had to take into heavy consideration it took a lot of uh, inner work uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, looking in, it um, gave us plenty of time to reflect on our marriage, and yeah. hey, there's some stuff we've been overlooking. Let, let's let's start working on this, let's start building on this, and that allowed us uh, from there to really institute some things in our personal life that translate over into our professional life and to our life and ministry. So I think that you know I would say the pandemic, though tragic, has been a blessing because it allowed families to re. Uh, reestablish that concept of family. Um, when was the last time you saw families having family dinners together? We can't go out to eat no more, so we want to sit around this table. We want to sit in front of, you know, let's watch a TV show, let's do a movie night. So it saw we saw and there was a lot of family interaction that was being reestablished, and one of the things we pray for is that families are reunited. Not saying that the pandemic was a good thing, but it did help in some areas. It wasn't all bad. Uh, pretty much the situation is what you make it and those who decided to pull something good out of this tragedy um, i believe it was a blessing to their home i know it was a blessing to our home but it did it it was not was not um clear of its problems and issues and hardships and but if you work through it together and i believe we have been doing okay since
2: Um I mean <laughs> all of what he said. Um, but for me personally as a student, um I think that uh university like because I graduated from Bishop, that was a community college, that was my uh prereqs and stuff going into my psychology degree at the University of South Alabama, go Um <laughs> it was a uh, another culture shock Definitely, when I thought, you know, I figured this college situation out when the pandemic happened. And I was starting, so I finished one degree, but starting on, you know continuing rather my uh, second degree, second level of degree uh, at the university. It was like, okay, this is a bigger college. I thought I was gonna uh, be more on campus, experience the JAG life that it's known here for in Mobile, Alabama. But um, a lot of it was virtual events. I was like, what? This is not what I signed up for. I want my money back. I want this degree. <laughs> Um, it, it was just, it was really different. Um, everybody's on uh, Zoom. Some some students have their camera off. Some of them got kids in the background. You know, it's just. I think that for me, uh, just like Tyree said, I don't do well online. Uh, I'm gonna say I didn't do well. I adjusted. Yeah. The <laughs> Made the best of I adjusted, but it was a hard adjustment. It was really hard because I'm a people's person. If you can't tell. And so I like the camaraderie. I liked being able to be like, you know, making some kind of relationship with my professors. Um, I like to make an impression with my professors, like, we seem to be friends up these. You're gonna write my recommendation when we're done with this class. Um, and so this was different because I'm dealing with professors now that's just trying to get the class over, to be honest, on Zoom. It was just like, all right, we here for these next uh 45 minutes, let's run through these modules and get on out of here. Like It was, and for me, I'm not going to lie, it made me a little lazy because it was like, okay, I'm going to roll over and throw a shirt, a different shirt Mm. on today for (laughs) class. And it it just really wasn't what I was expecting, you know, that you dream of when you think of college, when you think about what your, you know, the college lifestyle or whatever you thought you had a preconceived notion about, it wasn't it. And uh, so finishing that one degree, it was, it was. It was a struggle, but as Tari said, it was also rewarding because I I think that because I fought harder for it, I definitely feel like ain't nobody gonna tell me like like I didn't earn this. I really felt like it was maybe more so, you know, I would would be courageous to say it was earned, um, you know, (laughs) harder, what's the word I'm trying to say, it was, um, it felt better to earn it this pandemic than i guess it would have uh traditionally because i felt like i just had to put my best foot extra forward like two feet in in forward so this this um this pandemic was just as sorry said, it was it was horrible for a lot of people um i knew a lot of people lost loved ones but those love being there as a ministry's sake I'm gonna say this you know, as a ministry sake being there to encourage so many people whereas we were grateful to not have lost loved ones during this pandemic um, but being there for other people who had uh, it, it took it took another. I'm gonna say it, it took another part of my heart to be able to give it because when you don't really relate to something till it happens to you. And so to be empathetic, really, because I couldn't be sympathetic to a lot of people during the pandemic as a ministry sake, as a leading lady sake for this ministry. Um, you know, we had a young lady who was having a baby, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, she was scared out of her mind, like, there were, you know, so many rumors going about with pregnant women and what was happening uh, with the coronavirus, and so being there for them, it definitely took something out of us to say, okay, all of what we were struggling, maybe mentally, emotionally, maritally, it didn't matter in the big picture because there's others worse off. and so um, I think that this was an eye-opener, especially for ministry. sake. it, it taught us to dig deeper in being givers, um, and, and and in doing that, we saw reward. We found another sense of reward when it came to ministry. It wasn't just whereas we could see maybe um, quicker progress before the pandemic because we're seeing each other every Sunday, shaking hands, bumping fists, saying, "Hey, you know, love you, hugging, crying together in to worship." We couldn't do that. We could have had just trust you were listening through the Zoom um, or through Facebook Live, and and so when we did get a chance to have those counseling sessions over the phone or or through Zoom or whatever, it it just it felt so much more rewarding to um, be there for be a rock for someone who who needed it.
0: So. Wow. So even through your own uh, your own adversities and struggles. On the pandemic, just added more weight and lividity on it that stretched you beyond being stretched, where every fruit of the spirit was tried. What (laughs) for you to keep your insanity? So with your history and your background, with the differences in education, the culture shocks and transitioning from an all-white school to an all-black college, to all-black school growing up, to all-diverse school, then you're going to college, you're trying to graduate. How is it important for instructors during this pandemic to better serve graduates in 2020 and we even know to this day there's still some colleges have not fully reopened even though the CDC have lifted guidelines. What advice or suggestions could you provide to college instructors, professors on how to be more, as Alexis say, empathetic, engaging, interacting for those students who have to have that person, personable contact and touch?
1: Um, Well, as being a uh, recently uh, named professor myself um, in biblical studies, uh, for me, it's been a trial and error, um, trying to help the students who need the interpersonal help, also uh, being able to stay with the ones who are more advanced and then the ones who are a little bit slower to catch up to things. Um, it's been definitely trial and error, but one thing that I can't, that I have known that, uh, seen that works is um, is availability. And um, if instructors, um, you know, they offered, say, hey, if you need some help, but then they'll say it in a tone where it'd be like, please don't ask for me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I try to make sure that I am uh, available for my students. Um, they have my email. They have my cell number for it, um, extreme emergencies, or whether they can't reach me by email. Uh, I have set up private tutoring sessions. Um, you know, still adhere to CDC guidelines for our social distancing, but we're able to meet in person and sit down and review some things. Or I've done video chatting, where uh, hey, show me the work, and uh, we go through the questions together on the video chat. Um, so it's just uh, availability. Um, yes, it's a bit time consuming. Yes, it's going to require more of you, but it's a necessary adjustment for the situation that we're given. Um, so my advice for instructors is, you know, outside of making sure they get the assignments and you may extend a test or a quiz or a homework assignment, uh, try to increase availability versus trying to increase um, or trying to be more lenient when it comes to your grading because You still can keep your same grading scale but if your availability is different or, or it's more is more open, then you won't need to extend it so much. You can help the students that need the help. You can set up a group. Uh, let's say you do an online group tutoring session where, hey, you submit the work or we go over the homework together. Double check, triple check. Um, uh, do pre-recorded study guides for your tests, or, uh, tests and quizzes. So you can go over your answers or answer keys or whatever and um, just use it as a reference help. Just pretty much give them as much Uh, For me, I found that I give my students a lot of resources to refer from, and all of the answers or the questions that I uh, give out, they're able to find within those resources. So it encourages them not only to study, but it it lets them know that, hey, you still have to do the work, but I understand the fact of it's different. You don't have that one-on-one, so I'm going to make it as interpersonal as I can without getting. Without wearing myself out in the process, so that's why I say it's a lot of trial and error because you can burn yourself out trying to do it, trying to help everybody, and then you still have those students who just want to hurry up and just get through and want to cheat, just give me the answers, and let me go on about my business. <laughs> so it's uh, you have to uh, you have to be diverse in your tactic uh, when dealing with students because not all students are the same. So uh, that's you know that's what I. Do.
0: So Alexis, how? What advice yeah, I want you to answer that question, but I want you to add to your response. What advice would you give pastors who have not reopened back up and they are doing ministry online and how you still can be able to engage your, your current members and engage cyber members? Okay. Um, I
2: think that one of the best ways this can work for both for um, educators as well as pastors um is using the group method although you may not be meeting uh, in person for group a lot of online platforms have it to where you can set up groups or or rooms or whatever that may be something for educators especially to use because that was, that was that actually helped me a lot of my classes um this past semester being able to just break off in groups and just talk to one another you know maybe the camera went on for everybody, but just having that away from the professor time like you would in person to really kind of bond. Um, I think that that's, that works well. Um, you guys use that for ball cuts as well uh, for that, shout out ball cuts, for that online seminary. Um, for pastors, I think that um, more check-in, uh, like like Tyree said, uh, it's going to be time-consuming. I'm not saying you have to wear yourself out because uh, we don't believe in being one act. I'm trying I make it long longevity, long, long and strong, long and strong. <laughs> but um, maybe and maybe a sign is you can have group leaders, right? Depending on the size of your ministry, uh, have some group leaders. Uh, there's another uh, able minister in our ministry that we're giving some assignment. Hey, if uh, people in your community, if they're local to you, spread out. We'll give you some chairs. You know, y'all can sit out on your lawn or whatever and pray together, or you know, worship and give them a word. You know, whatever the case. Or, you know, for uh, you all who may have a bigger ministry to where you don't have enough, um, maybe you don't have enough group leaders, let's be honest, maybe you don't have enough strong trustworthy group leaders just yet, then, you know, you can just kind of stretch out your time to where you are doing either outside of your Sunday morning or Sunday big service, you know, some midweek service where you're meeting online, but not just in a live platform, one one good idea that we found is using uh, online platforms uh, that are free, such as Restream.
0: Thank you, Tyrese and Alexis, for that beautiful story. You can reach out to Tyrese for chef and catering services at Chef T Twenty Twenty on Instagram and Facebook. Email through Crafted Eatery. That's C R A F T E D eatery at gmail.com their ministry tower ministries on facebook and instagram they're located in mobile alabama for prayer requests individual and family counseling marriage and motion ministry all statuses are welcome you can email to set up an appointment at marriage motion 365 at gmail.com you've been listening to courageous conversations with Teresa w gamble Courageous Conversations is powered by Concierge Resource Professional Consultants. And remember, do not get weary in well-doing. You shall reap if you faint not. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9.